Hello F5ers. Yes, I literally just came up with that, and I think that's what we're going to call listeners from now on. F5ers, I need your help. See, I don't ask for money. I don't have a Patreon. I don't have any content locked behind a paywall. I don't even read ads for real companies because I want to create what I want when I want. Now, with that in mind, the best thing that you can do for me is give me a review on iTunes, Spotify, whatever you use to cast your pods. Leaving me a review takes less than a minute and it will really help me out. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. And now, for your feature presentation. Just one, or two, or three, or four, but five, or five. I'm Jason Kleberg, and this is the Force 5 Podcast, a show where I force my guests to come up with a movie-themed top five list, and then we discuss our picks on air. I recently reached out to some of the loyal F5ers, yep, still using it, and got some feedback, and I'm switching the format up just a bit, so love it or hate it, shoot me a note and let me know what you think. I have a really cool guest today in Mickey Fax. He's a rapper and producer from the Bronx who has been on songs with just about everybody, Drake. Lupe Fiasco, Currency, Royce to 5'9", Bun B, Kid Cudi, even Lauren Hill. He was one of the original XXL freshmen back in 2009. He's going to join me in a bit. We're going to talk about top five comic book movie scenes. But first, let's talk about what I've been watching. First up on the docket, we have a film from 1973 called Don't Look Now. She does not come peeping with messages back from behind the grave. Yes. Christine is dead. Yes. She is dead. Yes. Dead, 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 dead. This one's directed by Nicholas Rogue, written by Alan Scott and Chris Bryant, based on a story by Daphne du Maurier, and stars Donald Sutherland, Julie Christie, Hilary Mason, and Venice. So basically, this is about John and Laura Baxter, there are a couple still reeling from a family tragedy, and they head to Venice for a season so that John can help restore an old church. While they're there, Laura meets a pair of sisters, one of whom is blind and claims that she can receive messages from the dead. As their time in Venice continues, things start to get more and more strange. Now there's a lot to unpack here. Don't Look Now has been on my to-watch list for what feels like ages, and i just never gotten around to seeing it. I heard it had a very creepy atmosphere, and on that note, the film delivered. The chilling score really added to the mood, and the way the cinematography by Anthony B. Richmond captured the beauty of Venice, juxtaposed with the way it's simultaneously falling apart, was actually quite breathtaking. Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie were great as the leads, with the latter really stealing the show. Every time Julie Christie was on screen as Laura, I was captivated. Sutherland was also perfect as a cynical architect, wrestling with never having dealt with their family tragedy and finally coming to grips with visions that he's tried to suppress. 
The appearance of the sisters divides the two with this sort of line in the sand that was interesting to watch them work through, whether they were talking on long walks through the halls of Venice or with an amazingly long and graphic sex scene intercut by the two reflecting on the night of passion while getting ready in the morning. The second half turns more into a mystery as the threat of a serial killer is kind of haphazardly introduced. And this all barrels towards a conclusion that is, by all summations, bananas. I tell you, I did not see the ending coming, and I will not be able to forget it. It's a moment that has been referenced and paid homage to in countless films, and I just never realized it until now. Uh, even in like The Simpsons, The Sixth Sense, uh, Blair Witch Project, like all kinds of these films that I never even realized. Now on the flip side, while memorable, the ending didn't completely work for me, mostly because it just didn't make any sense. Uh, and unfortunately, I can't really get into why without spoiling things, so go see the film. The story also kind of meanders with other side characters that weren't really interesting. Uh, they just kind of existed seemingly for the sole purpose of throwing the audience off the scent. Then again, like, the scent of what? We don't really know what's going on. The film didn't explain things very well, which isn't always needed for a, a film, but without it, the supernatural stuff just did not work for me. I thought that was the weakest part of the film. The family tragedy scene was also cut together in a way that was kind of baffling, and again, I don't want to say more about it without spoiling stuff, but the whole scenario just seemed really weird, and I didn't really buy it. Don't Look Now is an atmospheric, creepy experience with a huge upside. While the supernatural elements didn't really work for me and some of the situations didn't make sense, the ride is an easy one to recommend. While the story does feel stagnant at times, the performances by Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie are magnetic and more than make up for the lack of propulsion. The other thing I watched this week was much worse. No Safe Haven from 1987. Now that piece of white trash didn't kill my family. They were executed, Charlie. You know it. I told you never to get this close to me. Listen, not only are you going to take another packet on a team plane to Los Angeles, man, but you're going to throw Sunday's game. And if you don't throw Sunday's game... Oh. My uh, little brother was into a lot more than... Uh... This one's directed by Ronnie Rondell Jr., written by Wings Hauser and his then-wife Nancy Locke as a Vanity Project because it also stars Wings Hauser, Robert Tessier, and Brandscombe Richmond. When the Los Angeles Hawks, yes, that's their football team, when the Los Angeles Hawks fail to throw their bid to get to the Super Bowl, or the Silver Bowl, the movie calls it both things it doesn't even know, some drug runners who had a lot riding on the game murder the star quarterback Buddy Harris and his family. Unfortunately for them, they left one brother alive. Cleet Harris, yes, Cleet Harris, who has been living in Honduras running a Peace Corps office, comes home to get revenge and also chase some skirts. As you can tell by listening to the plot summary, this film is bad. Really bad. 
Fortunately, there's one great thing about this film, and it's the performance by Branscombe Richmond. Now, I knew him as Bobby Sixkiller, still one of the greatest TV names ever from the TV show Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas, but here, he's chewing the fucking scenery as Manuel, a psychopathic, ineffective henchman for the Bolivian mob. It legitimately looks like he's having a blast playing this over-the-top character, and he was definitely the bright spot of this film. I also have to give a shout-out to the kill scenes in this film. Wings Hauser doesn't just come back to LA to kill people, he comes to kill them creatively. Now the setups make zero sense, but they are so amusing. Uh, for example, he douses one criminal with lighter fluid, lights him up, and then locks him on a hotel balcony and gives the man a choice. You either burn alive on the balcony, or you jump to your death. With no safe haven, you know what you're getting from the very first scene. It's a car chase in which the speed of the film has actually been altered. Now I'm sure they just wanted to make the cars look a little bit faster, but everything just looks like it's in fast forward, looks ridiculous. A man being chased by Bobby Sixkiller jumps into a cement mixing truck, possibly the slowest ride he could have chosen, and he clips the back door of a van, the open back door of a van, which promptly explodes, and then continues to drive into a bus full of people, blowing himself and everyone on the bus into bits. And then this scene is never mentioned again. There's weird stuff like this scattered all throughout the film. There's also a full scene in which a boom mic and a gaffer's hand are seen hovering at the top of the frame. There's another scene that's it's like a, uh, an attack on a compound and it's taking place in the middle of the night and then all of a sudden it turns to day for no apparent reason. Wingshauser, who I normally like, is terrible in this film. He shows absolutely no range, even in spots that need to be heavy. Like when he finds out his family has been murdered. At the funeral, he just looks like he's bored and ready to leave. And when he's killing bad guys, it feels like he's just doing it out of an obligation. It's also hard to have sympathy for the character when the first thing he does when he lands in LA is bang a blonde in a light-hearted scene just to get some tits in the film. That scene also features the line, My daddy was a farmer, a melon farmer, as she pops her breasts out. The film drags to a halt when he's chasing skirts, and it just doesn't feel like Cleet had his priorities straight. There's also a lot of dialogue in this film that could never be uttered today. Um, some racially sensitive things that just rub you the wrong way. And it, it just feels overall that this was written as a vanity project for Wings. And unfortunately, it just does not show off his talents. He's stiff and seems to sleepwalk through the whole film. It's the only movie ever filmed by Ronnie Rondell Jr., who primarily worked as a legendary stuntman in Hollywood. And that definitely shows. I wouldn't recommend watching the whole film, but I would recommend checking out some of the kills. It also ends with a fist-pumping freeze frame, which I can never get enough of those fist-pumping freeze frames. For a second opinion on No Safe Haven, we go to Amazon.com for a review from Christakis. This is from September of 2010, and it reads, I saw this movie two times. Cheap movie. I must say that someone has to shoot these movie companies. I don't know if they are now in the market, but they are doing shits, not movies. They film in Texas? Texas as Bolivia? Why they took the screenplay? The actors are bad, the action 4 to 10. The scenery too, this is crap. It's the second movie that I have seen with that actor. He plays like Van Tam, but Van Tam is not American. He is from Belgium. He speaks French better, what a mess. I know that drug dealers have private armies. This guy in Bolivia has the country's army protection. 
like the fascist American army who kills people around the world. 5 out of 10 stars. Thanks for your opinion, Christakis. That's it for what I've been watching this week. Let's get to Mickey facts. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Cyberdyne Systems. Are you feeling unsafe? Wish your country had better defense computers? Look no further than Cyberdyne's newest project, Skynet. Skynet is the latest in advanced artificial intelligence and aims to be the ultimate in military defense computing. Their T-800 model robot turned heads at CES, and there's a lot more where that came from. Head to Cyberdyne's website and enter promo code F5, that's F and the number 5 for 10% off your first order, and start feeling safer today. What's the worst that can happen? Now let's get to the list. This is the Force 5 Podcast, and joining me tonight, 2,882 miles to my right, we got the trendsetter Mickey Fax, a.k.a. the Rap Jackson Pollock, joining us today. What's going on, Mickey Fax? It's Mickey. Man, you, you brung it back with the Rap Jackson Pollock. <laughs> wow. I told you I was a fan. <laughs> That's love, man. Thank you so much for that. Indeed, as a rapper, Mickey Fax has killed every single track he's ever been on. Seriously, look the man up on YouTube. You can find him on any hip-hop show that matters, freestyling on whatever they put in front of him. Ciphers, battle raps, whatever, doesn't matter. I mean, Mickey Fax, you recorded a song called A- minus that doesn't have one A in the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, man, but the song is about the letter A. Ugh, three minutes long, no A in the lyrics. That is absurd. <laughs> Excuse yeah, my A on the absurd. Man, <laughs> crazy. Uh, well, I'm yeah. going to give you a break today. We're not going to make you freestyle. I'm sure oh, you'll appreciate that. Thank you, brother. <laughs> so you got a new album out right now called Hugh and Audio Last Will and Testament, which is clearly an ode to fatherhood written written for your son. Yes, sir. Um, your son's about eight months older than mine. So this one definitely resonated with me. Tell us uh, a little bit about the record. Well, yeah, man, you know. Uh, a lot of this came from my brother, Chris Rivers, uh, whose father is Big Pun. And, you know, I remember having conversations with him and he was saying, you know, how he wishes that he had a lot more moments with his hip hop dad. Right. And, you know, you got to take into account that his, his father passed away at two or three years old. So he didn't get a lot of the lessons and knowledge that a, a young boy would need from their dad. And for me, uh, I took that as a. Uh, I took that to heart as to something that I would want to do for my son in the event something happens to me, God forbid, that he'll be able to, you know, have a last will and testament from me. Um, but it'll be about life lessons, right? So from track one all the way to track 10, you know, he'll get an audio, you know, guidebook on how to, you know, at least the basics on how to live his life. And just like a last one in Testament, there will be amendments to the projects. So every year on his birthday, it'll be another version of the album that the fans will get. It's got really powerful messages about humility, about being proud of being who you are. Uh -huh. Shit, there's all kinds of good topics on there. And uh, it's, it's, it's a really good record. I love it a lot. Thank you very much. You know, a lot of people say it was really easy listening as opposed to a lot of my other stuff. You know, as far as with the choruses and the production that I chose. So, you know, I'm going to probably be leaning towards that a little bit more when it comes to the music from here on out. I found it. Uh, yeah, I definitely found it an easy listen, although I, I like your other stuff, too. So I'm probably not a good judge of that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good stuff. Hey, well, let's talk about some movies like 
just to give people a taste of, of your taste in general, what are some of your favorite movies that maybe wouldn't make this list today? So movies in general that I personally like, man, this this one is going to shock some people. I am a big fan of Mean Girls. Oh, me too. I love that movie, man. I, I don't care what's happening. If that movie comes on, I'm stopping what I'm doing and I'm going to watch that movie. That's a great freaking movie. I love Mean Girls. Um, another movie that I really, really enjoy is Inception. Whatever's happening, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing and I'm going to watch Inception. I love the concept. I love the dream within a dream kind of uh, concept. And what Christopher Nolan did with that was just immaculate, right? Like, yeah. I, I just I fell in love with that. Um, you know, and then obviously guy movies, you know, so Desperados comes to mind, Dust Till Dawn, Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve. I even like 13 sometimes, depending on how I feel. Uh, I like Smoke and Aces. Um, but there's two movies that, as of late, I've really been wanting to get into. Um, one of them is The Wolf of Wall Street, because I've just gotten into the stock market uh, over the past six months, and I've been making a lot of money on penny stocks. So I'm like, man, I want to I wanna check out The Wolf of Wall Street really badly. Um, and another one is uh, uh, Wall Street, which is about Gordon Gekko. Uh, not the not the sequel, the the first one. So Classic. those are two movies that I I, I kind of want to get into because I'm getting into the market and things like that. And I also like heist movies. I love heist movies. Nice. Well, I got uh I got a heist type of piece coming up on my list here in a little bit. That'll be fun to talk about. Nice. I can't wait to hear it. Well, let's get to the list. Yes, sir. You know what's gonna happen? You know what's happening right now? You know what's gonna happen? Top five comic book movie scenes. Mickey Fax, you're a big comic book movie fan or just a big comic fan in general? I'm a huge comic fan, so uh, I'm going to have a blast with uh, these responses. I'm excited to go through this. Really excited. Let's hear it. What's your number five on your uh, top five comic book movie scenes? Top five comic book movie scenes. Wow. Okay. For me, I would have. Number five would be the intro to the movie Blade. For thousands of years, they have existed among us. You keep your eyes open. They're everywhere. Chances are you've seen them yourself and didn't know it. A secret nation. Our livelihood depends on our ability to blend in. With a lust for power. We should be ruling the humans. These people are our food. They've got their claws into everything. Politics, finance, real estate. There's a war going on out there. He makes the weapons. I use them. Now, one will lead them to conquer mankind. Tonight, the age of man comes to an end. We're going to be gods. And one will try to stop him dead. There are worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. It's a nightclub, right? Yes, it's a nightclub, and the vampires are dancing, and then the next thing you know, uh, the sprinklers come on, and blood comes out of the sprinklers, and then this this fight scene emerges, and you get the chance to see like the, the 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 special effects at this time. It's ninety nine, right? But they they still hold up well a little bit, and he's just this bad. He's a badass 
with his knife, his guns, and it, it just it's like this is this is like a perfect opening scene. And I've always loved this scene from Blade, uh Wesley Snipes. And then it to me the scene ends uh when he tosses the boomerang knife and it cuts everybody up and then he flies and he uh stabs one of the guys in the hand. It's just it's just a great, great, great scene. That's a fantastic pick. Blade I almost had a scene from Blade make my list. Which one? The final scene where he kicks the uh, he kicks the needle into Dorf's face. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And wasn't Dorf a freaking great villain? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah, Dorf was perfectly cast. Oh, and for, the, for those young listeners who haven't had the full Marvel experience, you probably started watching Marvel movies when it came to like, Iron Man or even the Spider-Man movies from 2002 on but mm-hmm. Blade was first I mean yeah. it wasn't the first comic book movie but getting into Marvel they made a rated R Marvel movie about this 70s vampire comic called Blade and it was awesome 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 so go check that out yes sir my number five I'm gonna roll into another intro scene this one's from a movie that I've seen countless times the intro scene from 1989's Batman. Every punk in this town is scared stiff. They say he can't be killed. They say he drinks blood. Is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Vicky Vale. Bruce Wayne. And what do you do for a living? He's a tired old man. Can't run this city without me. Your luck is about to change. Wing freak terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me. This was Batman's first real on-screen representation other than those those, uh, TV shows. (laughs) Yeah, the campy stuff that I found uh, just didn't connect with me. And then 1989's Batman came out. I was way too young to see it in theaters, but we had the VHS tape. And I watched this thing over and over and over again. And it it opens with these two criminals and they assault this family of three in this alleyway. It's a it's a husband, a wife, and their kid, just like what happened with Bruce Wayne's family. Mm-hmm. And they reconvene on this rooftop and they're kind of counting their uh, their bounty. And then we pan up and we see Batman and he floats down with his wings open and it just gets crazy. He beats one of the guys up, hangs <laughs> another guy up. He hangs another guy like with a bat with a batarang on a cable. Mm-hmm. And he says, he leaves, he's gonna leave him alive. He says, tell all your friends about me. And the guy says, What are you? He says, I'm Batman. I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. <laughs> and I imagine, like, obviously I couldn't see it in theaters, but I imagine that's when people started like taken notice when this movie came on like this is the real deal this is the best comic book movie we've ever seen yeah i love that movie so much and that scene right there sets the tone i'm batman wow that's that's a that's an amazing pick bro what an amazing pick i really like that pick a lot (laughs) it's been a long time since i've seen that movie but i need to go back and watch it because i love that movie so much all right number four for you number four for me I am going to go with The Dark Knight, and I'm going to go with the truck scene when, when you know, 
the Joker basically hijacks a truck and he's just driving all through Chicago, aka Gotham City. And Batman is doing everything in his power to stop him. And, you know, the the cops are trying to take, I think it's Commissioner Gordon somewhere safely and 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 you know he's <laughs> the yep. joke is pulling out guns and 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 shotguns and then he pulls out a rocket launcher and <laughs> batman sees it he he gets his he gets his batmobile hit he turns it into a motorcycle he drives he he he, he gets wired to flip the truck the truck flips the joker comes out and then he gives us that powerful rest in peace Heath ledger the powerful hit me scene hit me hit me and what a what an amazing movie but that is one of my favorite you know scenes of all time Great pick also. That one is one of those scenes that I remember seeing in the theater and everybody was gripping their chairs on that one. Yeah, man. Wow. And it comes back to Joker trying to push Batman's limits. Can you kill me? And he plays basically plays chicken with the bat cycle and wins. Yep. 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 Such a good scene. Such a great scene. Amazing. That's my fourth pick. All right. Let's roll into my number four. We're going to go to an X-Men movie, X-Men Days of Future Past. What's the last thing you remember? I had a glimpse into the past. You're going to have to do for me what I once did for you. as well. Side by side to end this war. Before it ever begins. So, I wake up in my younger body and then what? Find me. Convince me of all of this. It's going to take the two of us. And where do I find you? A different path. A darker path. Logan, I was a very different man. Lead me. Guide me. Be patient with me. There are two scenes that I could have chosen from in this, and they both star Quicksilver. (laughs) This is a scene where Quicksilver saves everybody in the X-Mansion. Wow. Essentially, like the setup for Days of Future Past is that the X-Men send Wolverine to the past in effort to change history and prevent this event that's going to result in the end of the world. So you've got this kind of crossover of both X-Men universes, the new guys and the old guys that we're used to. Right. And Quicksilver is by far the coolest thing in this movie mm-hmm. because he's so fast that it's almost like time stops or really, really slows down around him. 
Yeah. Well, there's the bad guys come into the X mansion and long story short, Havoc, uh, he tries to kill the bad guys who escape and his beam goes into the, this like generator or whatever. And it basically turns the X mansion into a bomb and there's tons of people inside. There's kids inside and the mansion starts to explode. But Quicksilver, he goes in so fast that time is almost stopped where you see this explosion going in super, super slow-mo and he's saving everybody one by one. And then there's elements of comedy to it too. So like he saves one girl and her soda can's still in the air. He comes back, takes a sip. Uh, <laughs> there's like a dog eating pizza and and there's shots where it almost looks like it's a GoPro attached to attached to like something looking straight at Quicksilver as he's running. It is, it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, I don't get to talk about X-Men movies very often. So that one I was excited to put on here. Both Quicksilver scenes are so good in that movie. I, I, I have to agree with you. That's, that's a really good scene. I actually watched that scene not too long ago. So that's, that's a good one. That's a really, 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 really good one. Let's go to my number three. Um, my number three is going to be the famous circular 360 scene of the Avengers finally coming together um, in Avengers part one. What do we do? We get ready. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. So when we needed them, they could fight the battles that we never could. Gentlemen, what are you prepared to do? No offense, but I don't play well with others. Big man in a suit of armor. Take that away, what are you? Uh, genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. <laughs> as, as someone who's a comic officiato and has been one since I, I can remember, I would have never thought I would have saw all six Avengers um, on screen at one time ever. So to see that, happen right like we were all in waiting for that la that particular scene throughout the whole movie right like you know seeing thor and cap meet iron man and and then the hulk and 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 uh maximoff you know and then hawkeye being you know, we we were waiting for all six of them to come together so to see them come together in that scene and then to see that ensuing battle that 15 minute battle was unlike anything I've ever seen, you know, so that would have to be my number three. That's another good pick. I remember seeing the scene too, and just getting those goosebumps in the theaters. Cause I'm about the same age as you, I think. And it's like, I also never thought that's something that we would ever see on screen. And there we were. It was great. Yeah. Crazy. Insane. I'm going to go to another uh, Avengers film from my number three. And I'm just going to say it right now. If you haven't seen Avengers Endgame for some reason, listeners just like turn the podcast off and go watch the Avengers series because I'm going to spoil <laughs> two parts of Avengers Endgame. Um, the first one here comes in a battle between Captain America and Captain America in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> so Avengers Endgame, there's like this super cool 
time travel, time heist idea, which is when I said I was going to bring up a heist idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and during one of these set pieces, our heroes are reliving a situation that we as audiences already saw play out in Captain America Winter Soldier. So there's a lot of different things, a lot of different pieces at play here. But Captain America, Steve Rogers, is sent to the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters to retrieve the Mind Stone, which is embedded in Loki's scepter. But while he's there making his escape, he runs into the 2012 version of Steve Rogers in the process, who thinks that that future Captain America is actually Loki in disguise. Tony, what's going on? Tell me you found that cube. I have eyes on Loki, 14th floor. I'm not Loki. And I don't want to hurt you. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. I know. But what follows is a fight scene that's, it's got jokes in it, but it's really brutal. And, and like, they just beat the heck out of each other. And then it it ends when they fa- they basically like fall 10 stories through glass plated staircases <laughs> and hit the ground and one of the one of my favorite moments in there is where the younger captain america says i can do this all day and the older one says i know <laughs> so good i love that that film i could have probably picked 5 just from avengers endgame but had to throw that one at number 3 uh, captain america versus captain america Nice. Too good. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, it's back on me. Number two, man. I am going to have to go to a Fox property. And this one is going to be Logan. Logan, what did you do? Charles, the world is not the same as it was. Mutants. They're gone now. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain, the only thing that's real. Where is she? Beneath the stain. She's like you. Of time. Very much like you. The feeling disappear she needs our help you are someone to come along someone has come along i am still right here and you could have it all and it is going to be when he logan's out i guess uh when he takes this the, the mutant serum and it, he does this primal yell like he's turning into a werewolf and you know, we finally get to see Berserker rage Wolverine and, you know, at least in an R-rated version of it. Like we got a, a portion of it in um, X2 um, mm-hmm. in the in the mansion scene. But this one was in the in the forest and he's really moving like a Wolverine. And then he has to fight, you know, uh, uh, what is the guy's name? What is it? Albert that they call him or something like that. And, um, you yeah. know. Even talking about it, I'm I'm trying not to get emotional. Like that was just powerful, powerful movie writing and making. Um, that is my second favorite scene of all time. 
um, because of how emotional that moment was in a comic book movie, as well as the primal aspect of someone such as Wolverine, who I'm not even a big fan of, but they humanized them there. And that was the reason why I loved it. So that's my number two. Man, I... I would have put two different scenes, two different Logan scenes on this list had I not already talked about it on my uh, top five comic book movie episode with Vince Kroger, mm-hmm. the Twitch streamer, which you can look for in, in the archives. I talked about it there too much. I, I couldn't put it on this list, but what a great movie. So many good scenes. Oh, man, that movie is unbelievable. <laughs> that is a yeah. great movie. <laughs> and I said it in that episode too, but if you just said, hey, you're going to walk into this movie about Wolverine and you're going to end up crying during this movie. I, I would have said you were crazy. Yeah. But there I was. Ball. There I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My um, my number two, we're going to go to a, a comic book movie that's actually not based on a DC or a Marvel property. It's from a movie from 2010 called Kick-Ass. Oh, wow. And it's Hit Girls intro. Oh, man. I love that movie. And I love the music that they use for that. (laughs) So fucking dead, man. If you haven't seen Kick-Ass, it's about this kid. He's like a nerdy high school comic book lover. And one day he just decides, you know what? I'm going to become a superhero named Kick-Ass. And he has no powers and no training. And there's a scene where one of his one of his first scenes, really, as Kick-Ass, he's in way over his head because he walks into this apartment of some real bad dudes to tell him to back off of a girl that he likes. And he's he's toast. Like, he's done for. He's about to beat his maker. And this this bad guy, I think his name is Rasul. Rasul. Mm-hmm. He's about to uh, he's about to kill kick ass. You see this blade just rip through his back. And as he falls, it reveals hit girl played by Chloe Grace Moretz, who steals the show. Oh, yeah. She couldn't be more than 14. She's tiny. And she proceeds to drop a C word and then just murders everyone in the room and has a blast doing it. <laughs> and it's set to that awesome song. Yeah, it's such a fun scene and such a good intro to hit girl and her dad big daddy i i almost chose the hit girl hallway scene from later on in the film but the intro just it's too good it's too good to leave off so that's my number two from kick ass nice i'm not mad at that i'm not mad at that (laughs) okay big number one big number one oh man um i have to say my number one scene ever would have to be Avengers Assemble in Endgame. Is that everyone? But you wanted more?
Avengers! First of all, Cap is just, I love Captain America, Steve Rogers, Chris Evans. Like, he was going, he was willing to die <laughs> against <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And I mean, aliens. And, you know, just hearing his, his comrade, you know, over the, uh, over the comm was great. And then seeing, you know, RIP Chadwick Boseman walk out, mm-hmm. um, that was, uh, that was pretty intense. That was pretty intense. And, you know, I was someone who, who I, I wanted everyone to die. Like I'm not, I wanted everyone to die <laughs> in, in end game. You know, I wanted a brand new Avengers team. I wanted the original members to go. It was time. But, um, you know, I, that is my number one scene of all of comics. Um, you know, so that means that that Logan death was it was high up there up until uh, 2019 when Endgame came out. So that would be my personal scene. Leading up to that line, it's just nonstop chaos, oh. and I think everybody in the theater at that point was holding their breath. And when he says for the you know the last time, Avengers assemble, it was like collective just tears in everybody's eyes. Yep. 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 So good. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, with my second Avengers Endgame pick here. And this just more proof of how good this movie is. We have three different scenes from the same movie on our lists. Mm. We're going to go Avengers Endgame with the five year jump. Our very strength invites challenge. Challenge incites conflict. Conflict breeds catastrophe. The thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. Infinity War, Avengers Infinity War was such a cultural phenomenon that everybody was talking about the snap, right? Like when Infinity War was over, it's like they can't kill Spider-Man. They can't kill Black Panther. Like we know there are sequels planned. They're big money makers. So what are they going to do with this? Like obviously when they when we get to Endgame, it's going to be a two and a half hour movie about them trying to kill Thanos. And the movie starts, and within 20 minutes, Thanos is dead. Yep. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the screen goes black. And it goes black for a long time in, in movie terms. And then it comes up five years later. And when that years popped up, because I'm thinking, okay, five months, years pops up, it was like, whoa. 
and then we fly over this empty city, an empty baseball stadium, which is even more haunting now because like that's what we deal with in COVID times. Mm-hmm. And then it it slowly goes into this like, where do we go now that they're gone therapy group? And all of a sudden it just opened up so many possibilities for the Marvel universe. It was like the, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the HBO show, The Leftovers. Never saw that before. It's a really interesting show, but it was it was like that on a massive scale. And it's a concept that they can explore so much more. And they're already starting to um, explore that a bit in WandaVision. But I love that moment because it was a huge chance. And I thought it totally paid off. But that five-year jump, it's my favorite comic book movie moment of any movie. Wow, that's 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 a pretty obscure choice, if I do say so myself. It's pretty obscure. It shocked me. It shocked me. Did you have any uh did you have any picks that maybe you would have included on your list if it was like a top ten, some of those ones that that you really wanted to put on but just couldn't find a spot for? Yeah, I mean, the snap. That was brutal to watch in the in the in the theaters. And you know, if you read the comics, you knew that that was coming, but it was one of those things where it was like, man, that that's crazy. <laughs> they actually they actually did it. They actually ended the movie like this. This is unbelievable. The bad guy won. Bad guy won, man. Um, the interrogation scene in Dark Knight, like mm-hmm. that scene is just unbelievable. Um, you know, I I personally. Um, I mean, there's so many, man. There are so many scenes. The White House scene in X2. I must um, put that on my list. Yep. Yeah, that 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 can definitely make it. Uh, I mean, it's I, I can we can be here all day just kind of <laughs> talking about these great scenes and these great movies. Um, and you know, obviously, there's more to come. So, yeah, man, uh, there was a lot. I, I would love to hear yours, though. I got a couple that didn't make the list that you didn't talk about yet. I was very, very close to putting a scene from X-Men First Class in there where uh, a young Charles Xavier and Magneto are going through recruiting people for the X-Men and they walk into a bar and it's Hugh Jackman as Wolverine in the small cameo. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. Charles Xavier. Go fuck yourself. Yep, yep, yep. Hilarious. Um, The SUV chase in Captain America Winter Soldier with Nick Fury. Action, just top class action right there. Uh, the only reason I didn't put this one on my list is because I talked about it again in my top five comic book movies, the train scene from Spider-Man 2 mm. against Doc Ock. And then, uh, you know, you mentioned the White House scene from X2, the the scene from Superman 2, Neil before Zod, right? That's uh, which mm. X2 kind of, uh, kind of paid homage to with that Nightcrawler scene, so... Those would have been my also rans. Let me ask you this question. I think this is a this is a pretty meta question. But do you think if we never got the Civil War trailer with uh, Spider Man taking the the um, the shield, would that if we have would have just saw that in the movie, would that have been a top ten moment? You know that came close, and and it's funny that you mentioned that because I don't watch movie trailers. I refuse to watch movie trailers because I think wow. they give too much away. So I was, I knew that Spider-Man was going to be in the movie just because it's, it was so hard to avoid, but I didn't know when. And that, that moment was a really great moment for me. Wow. Wow. That's, I I can't, I, I I try, I watch only two uh, trailers 
um, when they come out. I try not to watch any more than two because, like you said, they give away so much. Uh, I avoided the Endgame trailers, but um, aside from that, man, like it's it. You know, I try to I try my best to not watch a lot. You know, so I feel you. Yeah. I think it takes away from, well, with some movies, it takes away from the experience. I actually watched the Endgame trailers after the movie, after I saw the movie, and they did pretty good in that one in, in like not giving stuff away. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Awesome. Hey, Mickey Fax, thanks so much for coming on, coming prepared with a great list. You got anything else to plug? Like what's coming down the pipe? What are you excited about? aside from your new record that people should go spin now. Yeah, yeah, they definitely should go pick up Hue. It's on all the digital streaming platforms. It's a great project. I think everyone would really appreciate it and love it if you take it out. Um, I have another project coming out in April with uh, Blue. Oh, nice. Yes, yes. We have have an EP coming out in April um, produced by Knotts. um, And the whole thing is produced by Knotts. And it's a... It's a great listen, man. It's 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 one of those projects where it's just like, wow, I can't believe these two MCs didn't get together before. And we just kind of, you know, take people on a ride on this musical journey, right? And I'm excited for, you know, people to get a, a whiff of that. Aside from that, man, you know, just keep your eyes open and peeled for, you know, developments when it comes to uh Everything that I'm putting out, I'm trying to start a master class for lyricism. For So, you know, just follow me on all my uh, networks to keep up with everything that's going on. MickeyFacts.com is a place you can go to to get everything. And that's pretty much it, man. Check out WandaVision. We can't wait for this, this <laughs> <big> episode. <laughs> yes. Um, go follow Mickey Facts on all those platforms and then search for Mickey Facts on iTunes. Um, not only does he have Hugh on there, but I mean, dude, you got records going back to like 2008 on there. Yeah, you know the first time I ever I ever heard this young cat nobody knew about named Drake was yeah. on a Mickey Fax song on Lilik too. So yes, go back all the way, listen to some of that good stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a lot it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of uh, content on my uh, in my catalog. You can really get lost within uh, my catalog. So I encourage everyone to definitely check out some of the stuff that I have. You would you would love it definitely. My recommendations: check out. Hugh, obviously, but my one of my favorite projects from last year was Collage. Warp Collages, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and and Collages was my favorite song on that. One of my top five tracks of the year. So wow, yeah, That's listen great. to that. Thank you, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. <laughs> Indeed, Mickey Fax, thanks for the time. Uh, you know, ten years, ten years from now, we're gonna join up. We're gonna do this again with uh, all the comic book movies that have come out in the next ten years. I will be here with bells and whistles. I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait, man. Wow. That sounds like a plan. And, you know, it, it's, it feels like it won't just be that. It feels like we'll also be talking about television shows as well. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. Intro and outro bumpers today come courtesy of Nate Spears. The new top five list bumper was produced by me with music from Audio Binger. If you want to be a guest on the Force 5 podcast, the only real requirements are that you love movies and want to talk about them. If you have a top five list that you want the world to discuss, head to the website force5podcast.com, which has a show request form and other Force 5 related stuff. Go rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform and follow the Force 5 podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, stay safe, 
stay sane, and go watch some comic book movies with amazing scenes.